0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: It's time to (laughs) reach into our closet, look around, and pull out our mailbag. The mail! The mail
2: is here!
1: Thank you, Homer. Take the North pod at gmail.com. Adam Szynski has our mailbag. We'll take a couple questions now. We'll get more for later. We want to hear from you so you can email us. You can tweet at us. You can ask us anything and we will try to do our best to answer. Have no idea what these
2: questions are. So looking forward to it. All right, guys. So uh, first things first. Mark Potash wants to know: <laughs> Should the Bears keep Justin Fields or draft Caleb? Whatnamski? No, <laughs> he, he did.
3: He did submit that, though. He, he did, did submit that. that. This is he why we love
2: Potzi. So, Potzi's in on the bit. But all right. So uh, seriously now, um, I tried to diversify a little bit. So we do have one, a couple quarterback questions. This one came in on Twitter from Brian Engel. As, I think is how you say the last name. I agree with you, that the Bears are likely to move on and draft a new quarterback. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the disparity between what league officials and uh, reporters, yourselves, Ian Rapaport, Schefter, whoever, think they'll do versus current slash former players who love Justin?
3: Yeah, I'll start with this one, David, and you can chime in on the back end of it. I had a conversation just yesterday about this very topic, and it goes back to something that I think we've addressed previously on the podcast, that if you were someone that, that not that players would be doing this, but you're just casually watching football on a Sunday afternoon, and you see the, the Fox NFL game break, and it's a Justin Fields touchdown run or a Justin Fields touchdown pass, it's usually pretty attention-grabbing and pretty eye-catching, and you go, man, that dude can play. And then you watch all four quarters of 38 games and you go well there's a lot of inconsistency and there's a lot of flaws within here i think players in generally um are prone to just seeing small snippets and understanding the 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 talent and the potential that's inside there but not necessarily being able to see the bigger picture of the mistakes that are made and the in-depth, you know, all 22 looks at plays that weren't made and receivers that were open that didn't get the ball and, you know, balls that were delivered, I think a one- predominant example at the end of the first half in Cleveland off the mark that prevented you from kicking a field goal that could have won you a game. And so I think that is where the disconnect comes in, that that, that that if you are a player, you tend to see the good, you tend to see the highlights, you tend to see the sizzle and feel it, but you don't necessarily have that wide lens of why hasn't this quarterback been more productive as a passer? Why hasn't he won more? Why hasn't he lifted this organization to the heights they want to go to?
1: In my experience, uh, players – are united by one thing. Players from other teams, players from other eras are united by one thing. It's us against them. They belong to the fraternity. People that form and express their opinions for a living don't. And publicly, which is what all these opinions are in the forum they're offered, their public forums, their interviews, their podcasts, their their shows like this or whatever the case is, they're not going to typically criticize peers or they're going to try to accentuate the positive. They know how difficult it is to be uh, a, a public figure, to be a professional athlete, to live life in a fishbowl, and to go into a locker room after a bad game and get criticized and ask uncomfortable questions. My sense is that a lot of this Justin Fields love uh, from the players and ex-players is similar to why fans are, are united. again. They're kind of like, they, he's an easy guy to like. You know, Players respect um, tough guys, mentally tough guys, it, physically tough guys, and Justin Fields is mentally and physically tough, so I don't want to say that it's easier to dismiss the more effusive the praise is, but I think that what it does is that I, I'm not sure how much they have watched. They tend to grade the flashes, so they're going to say, God, I, I would never want to face a guy that can outrun me or run me over or you know do that, and and he's look at that. If he's capable of doing that on one play, he can do it on every play. Every player thinks that way. I just think that it's 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 one of those things that you almost expect to hear because they belong to a fraternity and the club has rules and they don't want to break them. What's the next one?
2: All right, so this one came into our email take the gmail.com. Uh, This was actually a pretty long email, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's from a fellow named Michael Glenn. So I appreciate the long email, which I promised Michael I did read. But uh, the summation, I would say, is Michael doesn't like a lot of the things Kevin Warren has done in his first year, whether it's surrounding the stadium or what ended up happening with the decision with the the head coach. I think that Michael was expecting more and is disappointed. Ultimately – He comes to the question of what are your overall thoughts on Kevin Warren's first 12 or so months on the job? I would give him an F, but in the grand scheme of things, I still think he's relatively powerless with the bad ownership group he works for.
3: That's a good question. I'll start here, David, and maybe we volley this around a little bit. Number one, it's too too early to um, be handing out failing grades. I know we're just trying to grade the first uh, 11 months or 10 and a half months that he's been in the position, but there's a lot of things happening behind the curtain and behind the scenes at House Hall that the general public isn't going to be privy to in terms of culture change and personnel shakeups and things that are going to push this organization in a different direction, whether it's a better direction, a winning direction, the results need to be seen to show that. The stadium is an example where two months from now, we need to reflect back on whether they have an actual site. If the developments this week with all of the tax assessments going on in Arlington Heights push the Bears into saying, okay, we've made up our mind. We've gotten numbers that we're okay with. We're going to start building here in Arlington Heights. We're going to put a shovel in the ground. Our target date for opening the stadium is 2027-2028. Well, then all of a sudden you've got yourselves progress that didn't seem possible in the moment and so those things are ongoing there's they're they're fluid david i think has been on record of saying his uh disappointment in the way that the think big mentality didn't creep over into the evaluations of the coaching staff at year's end i think that's fair i think that's okay to look at i also think it's notable that kevin is going to leave those decisions in the hands of ryan poles and and live with the results that, that his general manager uh, chooses to, to pick. And so um, I'll leave it there. I'll listen to some of the things that David has to say and then see if I, I, I can chime in with anything. So we're
1: evaluating Kevin Warren after 10 months, essentially, basically. and I think that's difficult because it is still a relatively a small plan. sample size. Uh, yeah, and I think that um, I, I do believe that I was disappointed more than anything. I think I think that's the way I look at it. I I, I want to be transparent here. I mean, I'm not going to pretend but like I had high expectations. I don't like in this role that we have in this, you know, we're expressing an opinion, whether, you know, it's in the Tribune or on the score or wherever. Like I I don't like nobody likes getting carried away and being wrong about it. (laughs) You know, nobody likes being wrong period, but Kevin Warren, I felt like was a pretty safe bet when he came in. And I felt like the kinds of things that we said about him at the time were legitimate and he had earned it and the respectful. So I think that in those, in that case, I felt like it was okay to feel a little bit, maybe overly enthusiastic and I did get carried away. And I don't really like it when I do that, but I felt like he was one of these guys that you did trust his track record. And boy, he talked a good game and boy, he was impressive. And so I think I did have high expectations and I am disappointed. I am disappointed. I feel like in the, after, you know, the, after all of the big talk, and there's been a lot of lofty rhetoric, the stadium projects has not gone the way that they projected it to go. There have been roadblocks, and I don't think that politically they've been navigated with a whole lot of finesse. But I, I think that they can still get where they want to go. They can still do that. I think it's been a little bit inconsistent messaging. I don't know if they really love Arlington Heights or they're using Chicago as a leverage play. Probably a little bit of both but I haven't been, you know, it's been okay. This is something I'm willing to play out. I was disappointed with the head coaching search. I don't think you can talk about building a dream home uh, in the suburbs, in your stadium, and then talk about having the best football uh, organization in the land, and then you bring back a coach when another, a better upgrade is available. Several upgrades are available who is 10 and 24 or in two seasons. So I've been disappointed and I don't want to be disappointed. And it doesn't mean that he can't change the direction. And I don't even think it's going South, but I expected a more dramatic trajectory from the bears under Kevin Warren in the first year on the job. And I think a lot of that has been more perception than reality. And a lot of think a lot of the perception he has been heavily involved in managing. So I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that that may be fair, but I do
3: think that that is exactly how I feel. Emailer gives an F, David gives a D as in disappointed, and I give an incomplete. Let's wait and see.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
2: all right so excuse me let's go back to twitter here so again this was at take the north pod or actually this was a response directly to you dan when you were soliciting questions on behalf of us so this comes from chris pretty open question which positions player profiles players would you target in free agency
3: Yeah, so this is uh, an easy one for me to start with. I think that you need to stabilize your center position on your offensive line. And I think that if you are considering pivoting to a rookie quarterback, that it would help to have a veteran presence up there to help you with seeing things, with making protection adjustments, with making calls. So I would if I'm Ryan Polesby diving deep into the the center class, which it sounds like from folks I've talked to that that, that this is a a group here where you you can choose. You can find something that fits your offense, that fits your scheme, uh, and you can – You can find a guy there. So I would look there. Obviously, we just got the farewell to Eddie Jackson out of the way last week. I think that if you are able to get yourself a veteran option at free safety that then allows you to potentially draft his replacement, if so desired, in April, you do that. But at least you walk into the month of April knowing that if we have to start player X, we can do that. Um, So those would be my top two priorities. I think uh, running back aid would be nice. Uh, I, I don't think yeah, that there was. That's interesting. You know, look, I I think there's a lot of optimism about who Roshan Johnson can be. I th- I don't think, Khalil Herbert impressed a lot of people in 2023, and and Deontay Foreman's back out uh, as a free agent in in a few weeks. So those would that, that's where I would start if that was me.
1: I think Daniil Hunter is a good place to start, or maybe a lofty goal to aspire to if, if he's. What's his price tag going to be, Dan? What do you think he's going to be in terms of the the average annual?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a lot, right? And and so then – now, listen, if you're going to invest in two players – at that position, that's the position to do it at. It's the guy that can affect the game uh, as a pass rusher. And so I would understand the temptation to do that. Um, but you're going to be dumping a lot of money into your pass rush at that point and and which is fine. Again, that's, that's something you want to do. Uh, but if you think that you can win up front in other ways, then maybe you just rely on Montez Sweat to be that guy that multiplies potentially a draft pick. Maybe someone you take at nine, maybe someone you take in round three.
1: Yeah, I think that you want to come out of the draft and free agency. is like if you can get a pass rusher in free agency, you don't need to address it at the draft. If you don't get a pass rusher in free agency, you do address it at the draft. And it affects your, you do always draft a little bit for need, maybe not with your first overall pick or the, your ninth, but I think that you keep that in mind, certainly. I, I also think that as we sit here, we don't have any of the franchise tag information, but we think we know which way it's coming. The best player, the most attractive player to me in the draft, if I were sitting in there, at least I would ask the question of Ryan Poles is, you know, what is Antoine Winfield Jr.'s price tag? And is this something that makes sense for us with the salary cap going up to $250 million and us having all of the, you know, if if I'm sitting in this room, it's us. If the Bears have all this salary cap space and if Winfield hits the open market, gosh, do I would... Would that look appealing? Because I think that is a impact kind of guy in a defense that would allow him to make that kind of impact. So those are the two defensive uh, players on on maybe any dream list for me. Then I do think you need to attack the center position. You can get a veteran who is out there. There are a couple possibilities with guys who have some experience, and I think that's what you want to get there.
3: Studs, I'm going to tack one footnote onto that and just say as a reminder that Jalen Johnson's situation is one of the most pressing free agency priorities the Bears have. Obviously, that's an in-house guy, and sometimes we're quick to overlook that because it's a guy already on the team. But he's not going to be on the team uh, if you don't franchise tag him or find an extension. So uh, that's, that, that's one note to understand that they're going to be using some of that salary cap space that they've created to help retain Jalen Johnson.
2: And we'll do one more here, guys. So this one is back to the emails here. Again, it's northpod at gmail.com. Corey Smothers is the one who emailed this one in. So this is what Corey had to say. The Justin versus Caleb debate has become exhausting. Great. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and one one of the theories that, that – this, this is back to Corey here. One of the theories that I loathe is trade the first overall pick and, quote, build around Justin – this makes no sense to me considering no matter what quarterback is behind center, the Bears are going to be looking to build around that player. The idea the Bears need to build an all-star roster on offense in order, to, in order for Justin to succeed is absurd. What I think fans don't realize is if the Bears do get a haul for trading out of the first pick this year, it is a lot of that compensation will be in the form of future draft picks. How is that going to help Justin or the Bears right now? when there will be a huge expectation to win going into year three of the Polls iberfus era. Am I off here?
3: Well, okay, so you brought up something that I talked with former Buccaneers general manager and current serious analyst Mark Dominic about uh, just last week, and it was the idea that if you're Ryan Poles and you feel like there is at least a little bit of pressure to show progress and win at a level that puts you in playoff contention in 2024, having draft picks in 2025 and 2026 for your potential successor to inherit is not really that healthy. You know what I mean? It's great to dream about a first round pick in 2026 that somebody else is going to use, so that is certainly a dynamic that's at play here. I also think, look, like how, how often do we talk about the 2006 Bears and say, man, if that team only had a quarterback? They were stocked in a lot of other areas, and then they lost to Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl. You know, how many different lessons do you need to have to understand that, hey, a difference-making quarterback is sometimes the guy who makes all the difference? Um, I don't know if I hit that question entirely head on but th- th- those are certainly two two points to that one david
1: They're valid points because justin fields i think according to the emailer, would not be in a position to benefit from the haul that the bears would receive from trading that number one overall pick he would however benefit from say depending on where they traded down to marvin harrison jr i i i, I think there's always there's always that kind of counter but I, but i think it all comes down to this and i said this on the air before and i think we'll, we'll continue to look at it this way it's not necessarily a new idea but it is one that bears repeating if you took the whatever draft capital you would be able to get for this number one overall pick hey whatever draft capital you were able to get for last year um for moving out of that position and getting dj Moore, uh darnell wright uh, yeah, Stevenson, yeah. And, and then you know if, if you were taking all those things whatever package of picks you want to put together And you said, okay, here, Houston Texans, would you take this for C.J. Stroud? Hey, Cincinnati Bengals, would you take this for Joe Burrow? Hey, Jacksonville Jaguars, would you take this for Trevor Lawrence? Absolutely not. They wouldn't even answer the the phone. They They wouldn't respond. That's where the Bears are. That's where the Bears are. You Tell me whatever the package is. If I'm Ryan Poles and I have the chance to draft Caleb Williams, I'm trusting my scouts. If they think that Caleb Williams is this kind of impact player, who's of the ilk of the guys I just mentioned, I'm not taking any trade offers. I'm I'm hanging up the phone, I'm getting the cards of the, the commissioner, and I'm waiting for Caleb Williams to hug Roger Goodell. That's it, period.
3: This also goes back to the conversation we had in our last episode where the build around Justin crowd is also the same crowd that is unwilling to get out the checkbook and write him a four-year extension. So you're building around him for 2024. You're potentially trying to do it for 2025 when he's on the the fifth-year option number. Nobody is willing to build around the quarterback by making the quarterback the staple of who you're going to be for the next four plus years. It's all just, Hey, get, get some of this talent and then cross your fingers, close your eyes and hope that he becomes something he hasn't been yet. And so the logic falls apart really quickly in that, in that argument. And so, um, you know, I think also the emailer there is making the point that like if you're trying to build around Justin with these, this hall of picks that you're going to get and Justin doesn't materialize in 2024. And just like, you know, he's not going to be here either. And so then all of a sudden (laughs) you, you, you've got these picks to build around a new quarterback that you don't even have yet. So that's where we are. And uh, the, the biggest premise of that uh, question was that we're all exhausted by the Caleb versus Justin debate, including Justin, included David, including myself and hopefully the last week of April gets here faster than it normally does.
1: Take the North pod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us as well. That was a good exercise, a good start to some of our mailback questions. We'll try to get to every week or so as we continue to talk about the bears off season.
0: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds.